0: and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hey everybody, Paul Gray here. Thanks for being with me once again. Well, as I look back on this past week, what a week it was. I'm recording this on Sunday, and It started off last Monday with my wife, Kitsie, and I doing some banking things. Went to our local branch bank, and with what we needed to do, we had to get into our safe deposit box where we keep our living will and our trust and important documents, birth certificates, car titles, marriage certificate, rare coins. We want to keep them safe, of course, for our own use and for our kids' and grandkids' inheritance. And it was fun looking through some documents about things that we had inherited in the past, some stock that we'd sold and then used the money for things that we needed and wanted at the time, some actual money, cash money, not stock, that we inherited that we used to take our whole family to Breckenridge for a week's vacation to celebrate our 50th wedding anniversary. We, we really enjoyed it. We got some other inheritance money one time that we used to build an addition onto our house, which we really enjoyed. A couple of our relatives gave us an inheritance while they were still living so they could experience the joy of giving and the joy of seeing what we actually did with our inheritance yeah, uh, okay, I'm I'm getting a little off track there with with my message. I, I do encourage you all to have a trust and a living will. Those are important things. Well, some other things this past no, I'm digressing. Enough about me. All right. When I'm recording this, it's Easter Sunday. Many of you are listening to it later than that. Easter Sunday, twenty twenty-one. And I ask those of you who regularly listen to, tell me what Easter meant to you. And I really appreciate those of you who responded in doing that. Here's some of your Easter responses. Gwen in our group said, well, you may not want to hear this because it's secular. Easter to me is about a special church service, egg hunts, Easter baskets, springtime, family, ham, pretty dresses. Stacy said, well, actually, Stacy wrote something that true Cajun brothers would respond with. Brother, I I don't know if that's something I'd want to be putting in print if I were you. Dana said, Easter means it's a time to decorate the front porch with a wreath, a cross, a sign, and bunnies, too. Easter means gifts to family and friends here and across the country. It means getting together to share a meal and to laugh and love on each other. It means a time to thank God for Jesus and His love for us. It means gathering with fellow believers, if possible, to contemplate the significance and true meaning of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. She says, as a little girl, it meant dressing up and going to church in gloves and in a pretty dress and hat and taking pictures, holding an Easter basket. and meant an Easter egg hunt, candy, and eggs. My mom would make beautiful eggs for us to find when I was a child, and we would re-hide them to refine them over and over just for the fun of it. Easter means love and fun because of Jesus. Love and fun because of Jesus. Well, Mike Ruff says this, to me, it's the Trinity's proof positive that they love the world at least as much as they love themselves. Greater love has no man than he lay down his life for his friend, and in the case of the Trinity, they take up their life again, demonstrating the truth of their love. Their friend, in this case, is the world as one being. We are each a part of the other, making up one ginormous being comparable to be the bride of Christ. Well, that's cool, isn't it? Bob Engle says this, the day after the murder, church leadership was nervous. Jesus had said he would rise from the dead. They would called him a liar, but he'd raised Lazarus, and he always seemed to keep his word. They were accomplished at burying truth, but they were over their heads this time. Their profitable system was in jeopardy. If Jesus rose from the dead, religion would lose, so they needed to make sure. The next day, the leading priest and the Pharisees went to Pilate. They said, Sir, we remember that while this liar was still alive, he said, I will rise from the death in three days. So give the order for the tomb to be guarded well for three days. His followers might come and try to steal the body. Then they could tell everyone that he's risen from the dead. That lie would be even worse than what they said about him before. Pilate said, All right, take some soldiers and go guard the tomb the best way you know. And Bob finishes with, good news, it didn't work then, and it's not working now. Truth isn't buried, he has risen. Sandy said this, Easter embodies a self-sacrificing Savior who loves and lays that same love down for all, for me. The Apostle Paul describes every conceivable issue which cannot separate us from God's love. I feel the same love as ours to have and to hold eternally by Jesus' offering, not to God as payment or punishment, but to us. And Lisa says this, "'Easter is the celebration of the unveiling of this truth.'" God became flesh and became one of us, and then as us, he put to death the lie of Adam, and he mystically unveiled the truth in the resurrection so that we are in perfect union with him, always loved. He was never mad because in the face of his execution, he chose forgiveness. It was a restoration and unveiling of what was always true, but we became blind and couldn't see this about him and us. So Jesus tore the veil and blind eyes can now see. God's not mad at us. He never was mad at us. And we are one with them. Those are all great thoughts about Easter. And we all have our own thoughts, don't we? I want to take some time today and talk about what I think Easter means to Jesus. You ever thought about that? Look at what the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. We look away from the natural realm. And we focus our attention and expectation on to Jesus, who birthed faith within us, the author and perfecter of faith, and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this, because his heart was so focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus endured the cross because of the joy of knowing you, that's every one of you and me, all of us, would be his. That's why he came, and that's what he did. Jesus didn't come as an example for us to try to emulate. He came as an example of us of what a human being could be when that human being knows who they truly are and who God truly is. His example of us is that we too, because we have the same Holy Spirit and power in us that he had here on earth, can endure whatever happens to us today. Now, it'll never be as bad as what happened to him, but we can endure that knowing that God is working all things for the good, for all people, and knowing, as Jesus did, that people who may be hurting us simply don't know what they're doing, and they are forgiven in advance just as we are. Look at what Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians 1.18. This is from the Passion. I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling, that is, get this now, the wealth of God's glorious inheritance that he finds in us, the holy ones. We are the wealth of God's glorious inheritance. Francois translates it this way in the mirror. I pray that your thoughts will be flooded with light and inspired insight, that you will clearly picture his intent in identifying you in him so that you may know how precious you are to him. The saints, that's us, are his treasure and inheritance, and the glorious trophy of his portion. We are God's assets and the measure of his wealth. How wealthy is God? He's wealthy because we are his inheritance. All of us, the measure of his wealth. I mean, you'd like the biggest possible inheritance here in this life, wouldn't you? And you'd want to protect your inheritance, like I told you that Kitsy and I do with having some important things, you know, in our safe deposit box for protection for our use and for our kids and grandkids' use later on. Well, look at this now. Look at this analogy. We, you and me, and every person who's ever lived, is living and ever will live, we are Jesus inheritance, his treasure, what he has to enjoy forever, and he's put us, if you will, in his divine safe deposit box. Oh, he's made sure that we're safe. He's made sure that nothing can ever separate us from him, not even our own, quote, free will, unquote. He sealed us with the Holy Spirit who is the most powerful, all-powerful, omnipotent force ever in the universe, the force that spoke everything into existence, the force that keeps everything going, the force that raised Jesus from the dead, the force that made the sun stand still and stop the wind. He sealed us with the very power of the Holy Spirit to keep us safe and to keep us safe for him. I want to read Romans 8, 31 to 39 now, selected verses there from the Passion Translation. And Brian Simmons puts his own heading in this called, The Triumph of God's Love. Romans 8:31. So what does all this mean, Paul asks? If God has determined to stand with us, tell me, who then could ever stand against us? For God has proved his love by giving us his greatest treasure, the gift of his son. And since God freely offered him up as the sacrifice for us all, certainly he won't withhold from us anything else he has to give. Who then would dare to accuse those whom God has chosen in love to be his? God himself is the judge who has issued his final verdict over them, not guilty. Judgment day has already happened. And God judged you and me and everyone not guilty. Who then is left to condemn us? Certainly not Jesus, the anointed one, for he gave his life for us. And even more than that, he has conquered death and is now risen, exalted, and enthroned by God at his right hand. So how could he possibly condemn us since he is continually praying for our triumph? Verse 35. Who could ever separate us from the endless love of God's anointed one? Absolutely no one. For nothing in the universe has the power to diminish His love towards us. Troubles, pressures, and problems are unable to come between us and heaven's love. What about persecutions, deprivations, dangers, and death threats? No! They are all impotent to hinder omnipotent love. Verse 37. Yet even in the midst of all these things... We triumph over them all, for God has made us to be more than conquerors. And his demonstrated love is our glorious victory over everything. 38. So now Paul says, I live with the confidence that there is nothing in the universe, nothing in the universe, with the power to ever separate us from God's love. I am convinced that his love will triumph over death, life's troubles, fallen angels, or dark rulers in the heavens. There is nothing in our present or future circumstances that can weaken his love. There is no power above us or beneath us. No power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love, which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One. All right, I say all that to say that Jesus' inheritance is safe. Nothing can ever separate Jesus from his inheritance. And we are his inheritance. We are safe. Now, here's the real question that I want to ask you all this morning. What is Jesus doing with his inheritance? We're his inheritance. What's he doing with his inheritance? He is enjoying it. Really, he enjoys us. He went to the cross for the joy of knowing we would be his. Not his just to do religious things with, not the joy of having us doing spiritual things with him as opposed to secular things. No, everything is spiritual. You know that when you know you are one with Jesus, Papa, and Grace. When you know they live in you, and they love you, and they like you, and they're your best friends, and they delight in you. Everything is spiritual because they are everything and in everything. Jesus is enjoying his inheritance, you and me, and everything with us wherever we go and whatever we do. If we go to church on Easter Sunday, Jesus is there with us. At our Easter dinner with family and friends, he's there with us. At our Easter egg hunts with our kids and grandkids. He's there with us. When we play outside on a beautiful day like this or go for a walk or a drive, especially with the top down, you know, Jesus wants all his kids to have a convertible. I I digress there. He enjoys being with us as we watch a ball game. as we drink a beer, have a margarita or just hang out with friends. To him, going to church, reading the Bible, memorizing scripture, those things are not more important than anything else we do. And if we feel we have to do those to please him out of obligation, that's not Jesus' way. We're still believing religious lies. We do life every day, 24-7, and he does life with us. That's what he's doing with his inheritance. When we're aware of that experience, then we live life like we never lived it before. Jesus' inheritance is his relationship with us. He calls it new life in Christ. Look at what Paul wrote to the Romans in chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. When the Father's glory raised Jesus from the dead on Easter Sunday, we were also raised with him. We've been co-resurrected with him so that we could be empowered to walk in the freshness of new life in Christ. For since we are permanently grafted into him to experience a death like his, then we are permanently grafted into him to experience a resurrection life like his and the new life that it imparts. Think about being with friends. Those of you who are listening to this, watching this on Easter Sunday, think about being with friends. Could you really enjoy hanging out with friends who you can't stand? How about if it was your job to continually be keeping a list of everything wrong they did, just watching them with a keen eye? How about if you knew they were afraid of you and just walking on eggshells all the time you were around, and you're always wondering if they were pleasing you or if you liked them or if you'd messed up and caused you to not like them, would you enjoy being with people if they thought they couldn't be real with you, if they had to talk a certain way and continually tell you how much they love you and what a wonderful person you are and bow down to you when you come into the room? Well, some of you might actually like that, but that's not Jesus. Jesus wants us to know he enjoys doing everything with us. No pretenses, no judgment, no keeping of list, no condemnation. And not just here on earth in the physical realm, but also in the spiritual realm, above the line, in the unseen and eternal. Remember Hebrews twelve two Because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered his humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. He's in two places at once, at the right hand and in the throne of God, at the right hand of the throne of God and in us. And we are in two places at once, too. Quantum physics shows us now how that's possible. Look at Ephesians 2, 1-7. The Apostle Paul wrote this. It was revealed to him by God long before anybody ever heard of the words quantum physics. God's fullness fills you, Ephesians 2, 1-7. Even though you were once like corpses, dead in your sins and offenses, it wasn't that long ago that you lived in the religion, customs, and values of this world, Obeying the dark ruler of the earthly realm, who fills the atmosphere with his authority and works diligently in the hearts of those who are disobedient to the truth of God. The corruption that was in us was expressed through the deeds and desires of our self life. We live by whatever natural cravings and thoughts our minds dictated, living as rebellious children, subject to God's wrath like everyone else. But God still loved us with such a great love. He is so rich in compassion and mercy. Even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, he united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace. Now look at this. He raised us up with Christ, the exalted one, and we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heaven realms, for we are now co-seated as one with Christ, verse 7. Throughout the coming ages, Paul wrote 2,000 years ago, and those ages are now, we will be the visible display of the infinite riches of his grace and kindness, which was showered upon us in Christ Jesus. Look at that, friends, look at that. Jesus enjoys you in you, around you, above you, below you, everywhere, right here on earth right now, and he enjoys you, seated with him in the heavenly realms at the same time. Again, quantum physics shows us how that happens. I wasn't really digressing when I told you it was fun looking through some documents about things we had inherited. I did that on purpose, you know, stuff that we inherited, and because of that inheritance, we were able to enjoy things right now. I want to ask you when it comes to an inheritance, how big would you want your inheritance to be? I mean, if you had the ability and the power, would you put any limits on the inheritance you'd like to have? Would you say, oh, well, you know, it'd just be fine if I had a, you know, a little place, you know, just a little small place, nothing fancy uh, and, you know, enough money to meet my needs until I die and, you know, maybe go out to dinner once in a while. Or would you want your inheritance to be so big you could enjoy it to the max every second of every minute of every hour, every day here on this life and afterwards? How big would you want your inheritance to be if you had the ability and the power to make it anything you wanted? Wouldn't you want to enjoy it now? Well, Jesus, of course, who's (laughs) all-powerful, has the ability to make his inheritance as big as he wants. And what he wants is for every single person who's ever lived, who's living now and who ever will live, to be one with him, to be his inheritance, to enjoy today and every day. That's what Jesus is doing with his inheritance Now, we get to not only know that, not only enjoy that, but we get to tell other people that good news that Jesus enjoys being with them every day. And in fact, they are his inheritance too. That's really good news. All right, everybody. Thanks for being with me today. Paul Gray saying, I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us,